All right. I'm so grateful that most of us who speak the prophetic word speak through stammering lips. This is increment 228 of Hebrews 2020, We See Jesus, and it is a continuation of 88 theses that we have developed from the beginning of Hebrews, so through the first seven chapters, and we're doing a recap of these 88 concentrated truths before we meet again. Lord willing, on August 7th here at the Alamo, face-to-face, for Sundays only through August, and hopefully beyond then. Wednesdays will continue with online services for a while, but Sundays, August 7th, 14th, 21st, 28th, will be, Lord willing, face-to-face here at the Alamo. Father, we pray that you will allow us to receive the fullness of these concentrated truths which you have allowed to come to us from the throne of grace during our study of Hebrews. May these be applied in a cruciform livingness in this age that anticipates future world, and we're grateful May they also prove and demonstrate that we have chosen to communicate nothing detached from Jesus Christ and him crucified, the sum, the substance, and the center of all biblical truth and reality. And it is to him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the only truly rejected one on our behalf, that we thank you, Father. Amen. We've gone through the first 17 of our theses. I've given examples from Lonergan, Duran, and Karl Barth of what a thesis should look like, what it should be. We've demonstrated that I'm just in the beginning phases as as a beginner and a novice in being able to develop these propositions that can be sustained by arguments from the scripture and happily and by the grace of God and surprisingly we've been able to identify 88 theses or statements of concentrated truth that kind of reiterate what God has given to us in terms of insights in the first seven chapters of Hebrews which we have completed and we've already begun to make forays into the middle section of Hebrews, beginning with Hebrews 8.1. Thesis 18. In Romans 4, Abraham's faith being counted as righteousness is not related to what theologians call imputed righteousness or justification granted to personal individual faith. It is more like how faith is viewed in Hebrews with regard to God's approval of faith as human livingness. Thesis 19. At the heart of the heart of Romans, and we've seen much in terms of a correlation of Romans with Hebrews, At the heart of the heart of Romans is an allusion 
to the very thing that Hebrews 6:13 to 15 and Hebrews 11:17 to 19 deals with Abraham offering Isaac whom God spared compared and contrasted with the God who is for us and who did not spare his own unique son but freely handed him over on behalf of us all so that with him he would give us all things. This, of course, identifies the heart and substance and center of Romans in Romans 8, 31 and 32, God for us, etc., and his son not spared. As we've discovered before with the help of Bart, only one man, one person has been rejected, and that's the Son of God, whom the Father did not spare, but freely handed over for us, in behalf of us, for the infinite benefit of us all. In the election of God, God elected Jesus Christ, and in electing him, we received a derivative election. All of our election, the election of all humankind, is derived from the election of Jesus Christ, the Son. Jesus Christ, the Son, was elected to reprobation where he became sin for us and where he became a curse for us. And so he's the only rejected one of all the human race. Others may try to achieve that goal of being rejected, achieve the goal of trying to go to hell so they can say at the end of their life, I'll see you in hell to somebody they hate. But they can never achieve that goal because only one has been rejected our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that's something that I've spun off from Thesis 19. Thesis 20. The scriptures are an anatomy of hope. Christ is the object of hope. The Holy Spirit is the power of hope's overflow. That could be three theses right there, but we'll put it as one complex Thesis, Thesis 20, on hope. Hope is a central theme in Hebrews, but also in all the scriptures. So let me repeat. The scriptures are an anatomy of hope. Christ is the object of hope. The Holy Spirit is the power of hope's overflow. You're wondering where I got that. Well, verses like Romans 15, 4, and Romans 15, 13, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Colossians 1, 27, 1 Timothy 1, 1, etc. So I'm just, all of these theses, though I'm not giving scripture references, they can be argued from the scripture or they can be documented with multiple scriptures, sometimes with hundreds. These are concentrated truths, and I'm doing this in order to give a summary of insights so that when we do meet face to face we will have these things summarized and hopefully treasured in our hearts as Psalm 119.11 would put it. Thesis 21, a brief one. Future world is what it is because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Future world is a primary theme in Hebrews, as we've seen in Hebrews 2, 2 to 4, Hebrews 6, 5, and 
future world is where the angels are already worshiping the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the millions and multiple millions, if not billions of angels. Hebrews 1, 5, and 6. Thesis 22. Speaking of reward, perhaps your reward coming as a result of faith and patience, Hebrews 10, 25, 10, 35, and 36, consists of something that has yet to come into existence, something that God will bring into existence just for you in future worlds. Thesis 23, Jesus as a priest forever by divine, a divine oath fortified oracle is the personal and incarnate guarantee and guarantor of the oath fortified promise to Abraham regarding innumerable descendants. Abraham's innumerable descendants, as we know, refer to all of humankind as a symbolic type. Thesis 24, another brief one, but maybe a potent one. Faith is future world already with us and in us. I get that rationale from Hebrews 11.1, 1, of course, where faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it is the proof or the evidence of things not seen. It's with us. This faith is with us, and so things not seen are with us. Future world is with us. Things hoped for with us in the form of faith. Thesis 25. Jesus is the glory for which we hope. Because Jesus Christ is in us, the things hoped for are already in us and with us. There's reasons why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. Here's another one, vying for the briefest of all theses, Thesis 26, resurrection is present in hope. Thesis 27, the promises together constitute the guaranteed salvific eschatological future of the human race and of human society in Uranopolis, my name for the heavenly city. The Heavenly New Jerusalem, O-U-R-A-N-O-P-O-L-I-S, Urano, Heaven, Paulus, City. A city-state, but also a state of mind. Uranopolis may be a theme that's coming forward, not only in Hebrews, but maybe beyond Hebrews, maybe by me, maybe by others. Uranopolis is the heavenly city who is above us and is free, who is the mother of us all and who is free. She is the heavenly Jerusalem that in Jeremiah 51.50 we are to let into our mind, let come into our mind. In other words, the heavenly city is not only a city-state but a state of mind. 
This state of mind is a state of soteria, a state of salvation, a state of peace, a state of inner preservation in times of great crisis and trial. This agona, as we call it, the agona, the arena of contention, and the time in between, if you remember, the radical change of situation, the human situation, and the radical change of the human condition, which is yet future in the resurrection. Just a few comments on Thesis 26, because it's a very brief thesis. I think you can see, and I'm trying to illustrate, that you can fan out a thesis and sustain it by argument as well as expound upon it and explicate it by Scripture. Thesis 27, the promises. We have the word promises in plural in 2 Peter 1.4 and Hebrews 11.13 and following. The promises together constitute a guaranteed salvific eschatological future of the human race and human society in Uranopolis. That's a repeat then of Thesis 27, Uranopolis. We have words like eschatology, which is the study of end things or final things. We have things like Christology, the study of Christ, the word about Christ, theology in general, the word about God. We have homardiology, the word about sin, which we're going to get into in the future. Homardiology is something that can only be understood in the light of Christology. In fact, we're finding out if we were to develop a systematic theology or a church dogmatics of our own, that Christology determines all other <coughs> theological subjects, including anthropology, the study of man, soteriology, the study of salvation, angelology, the study of angels, and cosmology, the study of creation in general and the universe in toto, and, of course, eschatology, as we've seen, and ecclesiology, which is the study of the community of people in this age, the community called the church. It's been likened, and I think Barth did this, and it's reported in Crisp's article on Barth in All Shall Be Well, as edited by Robin Perry in his pseudonym Gregory MacDonald, that he, Barth likened our salvation as a sealed letter by Jesus Christ to all the human race. And it is a sealed letter of the expression of his love and the announcement of their reconciliation to God and their future in glory. Christians only are distinct from the rest of humanity in that they have opened that sealed letter and they know what others don't know, that they are, as all are, saved and reconciled. We might develop that analogy in our own way in the future. Thesis 28. Both the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of these come from Proverbs 20 and verse 12. Both the hearing ear, the ear that hears, and the seeing eye, the inner eye that sees, are creations of God in us. We see Jesus because the Lord made seeing eyes for us in our mind and heart. We hear what the Spirit is saying because the Lord created in us the hearing ears of the heart. Thesis 29. The promises 
can be experienced in hope as hope. Another thesis regarding the promises, like thesis 27, like thesis 26, hope. We've had love truths, concentrated truths about love. We have concentrated truths about hope. We have concentrated truths about faith. Faith, hope, and love are the three soldiers advancing on the forward line of troops that remain on the forward line of troops. During this meantime between the alteration of the human situation by the reconciliation wrought by God in Christ on the cross and the radical permanent alteration of the human condition, which will occur in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the second appearance of our great archpriest, Jesus Christ. So again, I'll reiterate that very brief thesis. Thesis 29, the promises can be experienced in hope as hope. Thesis 30, to have faith. Here comes some a thesis about faith. To have faith as the substance and assurance of things hoped for, is to experience the promises in hope before we actually experience their eschatological completion in future world. So there is a present experience that correlates to future world. It's not a perfect one by a long shot, but it is an identifiable one and a substantial one. Thesis 31, experiencing the promises in hope is the same as having faith as the substance and the assurance of things hoped for. Now remember Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith and hope are intertwined because why? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's an objective definition of faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. The subjective definition of faith has to do with the human experience in time, and that is faith is the assurance. Hypostasis can be either substance or assurance. Faith is the assurance of hoped for things. Assurance is a present state about a future world, a present assurance of a future world. Faith, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's also the inner, absolute, and unqualified assurance of things hoped for. This is something that's going to come up in a future face-to-face -face message, I think, if the Lord is leading me as I think he is. Thesis 32, and this is very important on the level of our time for the whole church and for every individual and for all local churches. Thesis 32, God desires that the full scope of hope is to be grasped by Christians in this present time of history. So very important. Because the full scope of hope is not being grasped, it's not being communicated, and therefore the world is rejecting the message of only a partial hope. Thesis 33, all of humanity are destined to be the seed of 
Abraham because Christ is the seed of Abraham, the comprehensive, all-inclusive seed of Abraham, according to Galatians 3.16, and in Christ all shall be made alive. I'll say that again, thesis 33, all of humanity are destined to be the seed of Abraham because Christ is the seed of Abraham, and in Christ all will be made alive. Go and learn what that means. Think that through. Follow that through in your own thinking. By now, I'm speaking to people in Tetelestai Phalanx, or Tetelestai Phalanx, and I would say to the majority of you, especially those of you that have been with me for more than eight or ten years, you by now should be teachers. You by now should not just be dependent on a teacher to learn the truths of the Christian faith. You should by now be at the point of communicating those truths, explaining them to others who ask a reason for the hope that is in you, and communicating to them. When Christians don't realize that by now they should become teachers, they keep on becoming dependent in a wrong way, overly dependent. By now you should be teachers. That doesn't mean everybody should be a pastor teacher or officially ordained, but it does mean that you should by now be able to explain, explicate, encourage, and build up others to let them know that their reconciliation has already been done in Jesus Christ and that you're preaching a done deal. All right. That's exhortation following a thesis. Thesis 34. The renewal of our minds is the conformity of our thinking and of our ultimate expectation away from this evil age to the age to come to future world. We see Jesus there already. Hebrews 6.20, he's beyond the curtain. Orientation to future world is occupation with Christ. Again, this could be chopped up into several theses, but I'm doing it as a paragraph thesis, thesis 34. Orientation to future world is occupation with Christ who is there and who gives future world its shape and form and character. The renewal of our minds is congruent with and coetaneous with, meaning it goes along in the same way at the same time, with the putting on of the new self. The renewal of our minds is congruent with and coetaneous with the putting on of the new man or the new self. Now, this could be chopped up into four theses, thesis 34, if you wanted to do that, but I haven't, so it's a complex thesis. Thesis 35, you could do the same thing for this one, but again, it's a paragraph thesis rather than several sentential theses. The attentiveness of the new and true self is directed toward the coming age to future world. This is the essential element of the anatomy of hope. You remember we did a series of messages called the anatomy of hope. 
Hope itself is orientation to future world without relinquishing this worldly responsibilities. And I also want to note here that there's nothing wrong with having hopes and expectations in this world and within this age also for yourself, for your family, for your nation, for your community, for your relatives, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your parents, your children, your children's children, future generations in this age. I'm not talking against that, but so let me reiterate again, thesis 35, the attentiveness of the new and true self is directed toward the coming age, to future world. And this is the essential element of the anatomy of hope. Hope itself is orientation to future world without relinquishing our this-worldly responsibilities, and I would even add our this-worldly hopes and expectations. I'm going to write that down so I can edit this for the PDF. The old self is all about this old age, even when it thinks it's all about new things, innovations, improvements on the old, and even when they presume to be evolving and much smarter than people of former generations. The current generation and generations to follow are in danger of becoming a horde of barbarians with sophisticated technology. This again is a paragraph thesis. It can be sustained by argumentation and even by observation in our times, sadly. Thesis 36, the act of universal reconciliation is an achievement of divine love. The act of universal reconciliation is the achievement, we could say, of divine love. Thesis 37. God resolves to show us the unchangeability of his purpose. His purpose, Greek, teis autu, is related to the mystery of his will, which is to sum up all things in all times in Christ Jesus, his beloved son. That's a mouthful and a heartful, so I'll say that again, thesis 37. God resolves, and when he resolves, he does. God resolves to show us the unchangeability of his purpose. His purpose is related to the mystery of his will, which is to sum up all things in all times in Christ Jesus, his beloved Son. Put Ephesians 1, 6 to 1, 10, and you'll have a beginning of sustaining the argument for that thesis. Thesis 38. The hope of eternal life is not just my eternal life or our eternal life, eternal life of our church or our family or the church. It is eternal life for all of creation, which is destined to be comprised of Jesus, the Son of God. Ephesians 4.10. He is the true God and eternal life. As we know, 
in Christ all will be made alive. So the hope of eternal life isn't just for your eternal life, my eternal life, the eternal life of the church, but the hope or the expectation, the certain bold confidence that we have is that all of creation in all of its times will have eternal life or will be eternalized in life and with life, the life of the Son of God. The life that I give or the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh, he said. Thesis 39. To see Jesus crowned with glory and honor is to see the salvific destiny of all of humanity. All rational and subrational creatures, all of creation, and all of time and history. Let me reiterate that one because it is loaded. Thesis 39, to see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. We took the title verse, or the title from this verse, Hebrews 2.9, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. We took that as our title for the Hebrews 2020 series, We See Jesus. To see Jesus crowned with glory and honor is to see the salvific destiny, that's the destiny in salvation, of all of humanity, all rational and subrational creatures, all of creation and all of time and history. I'm looking forward to Robert Duran's third book on the Trinity in history, which is called Redeeming History. It's on the way to my home in an Amazon Prime delivery truck, I hope. Thesis 40. This is soteriology, the study of salvation, if you want to get into a systematic theology or a church dogmatics. Thesis 40. The salvation that is wrought by God in Jesus is not only universal, but eternal. It is not only eternal, but universal. It is both eternal and universal because Jesus has both universal and eternal saving significance. Thesis 41. Now you say, can you prove all these? I have. These are concentrated truths that have emerged from our teaching of the scriptures. Yes, I could go back and between all these give you a hundred verses or so without exaggerating, but I'm giving you concentrated truths without giving you a lot of scriptural references. By now you should be teachers and at least should put one, to, one or two verses together that relate to these theses. That's a good exercise for you. Thesis 41. All who are in Christ Jesus are kings and priests because Jesus is an archpriest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who is also a king. That's a uniquely 
Hebrews thesis. So I'll repeat it. Well, most many of these are, but all who are in Christ Jesus are kings and priests because Jesus is an archpriest forever according to the order of Melchizedek who was also a king. Thesis 42. This is a powerful one. This is theology proper about Jesus, about God himself. There is no God except for God for us. So there is no God except for the God who saves. More than that, as there is no God except for God for us all, so there is no God except for God who saves all. If you're talking about God, you're talking about the God who is for all. If you're talking about God, you're talking about the God who saves all. If you're talking about a God who doesn't save all, you're talking about another God, an idol God, and that would make you an idolater. Thesis 43. Excuse me if I'm going a little berserk here and going a little wacky, but there has been two and a half years without a day off, except for minor times of maybe a day here or a day there. So that's what happens to somebody. Thesis 43. Mercy and reality have met together in Jesus. Reality is another word for truth. Mercy is another word for saving grace. Mercy and reality have met together in Jesus. Psalm 85.10 for that, and a couple hundred other verses from Romans and Hebrews. Thesis 44. Melchizedek's greatest significance. Melchizedek is one of the personages who is dealt with in some detail in Hebrews, as many of you know. Melchizedek's greatest significance is what or who the scriptures makes him symbolize. And thesis 45, also a Melchizedekan thesis, so I'll hit that. And then with that, we will go to... Increment 229 in our next increment. So this is our last thesis for this particular increment. Increment 228. Thesis 45. This is a paragraph. And so it's kind of a, an expansion of thesis 44. Melchizedek is presented to our mental vision only so that we can look away from him to Jesus. In fact, the whole aim of this series of teachings in Hebrews is to urge us all to look away from everything else and everyone else and all of the problems in the country and in the world and in our families and in our lives and to look to Jesus and to carefully contemplate him and attentively consider how his perseverance through unspeakable adversity 
and even the endurance of the cross, which we cannot fathom and never will, led to the exaltation and glory of God, the exaltation of Christ and the glory, to the glory of God. Melchizedek wasn't written about so that readers of Scripture would become obsessed with Melchizedek, but so that through the literary lens afforded by Melchizedek, readers would become occupied with Christ. So now, Father, grant us the grace to let our minds be stayed on him, and therefore that we may be kept in perfect peace. Make us all teachers of your grace and mercy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.